It is Sunday, May 26, 2019. My name's Anthony, and I'm here with Michael, and this is Time Lapse, the podcast where cars and watches are the focus, but tangents are often the reality. Let's get into it. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, God, I hate the <laughs> sultry voice to start these off. Ugh. Um, hello everyone. We're back. Third week in a row. Mm-hmm. Look at us. So consistent. So consistent. Oh, wow. Wow. I love it. I love it. Um, but today's going to be a, a little bit of a different show. I know we've been doing a lot of different shows lately, but this one, um, Mikey and I, I guess agreed. Actually, it was your idea. It was my idea. To do a show. Cause I this. love this topic, Anthony. It really motivates me to make better decisions. Wow, thank you. No, but I, we're going to be talking about my motorcycle. and Which, I which think, we've talked about in the past. Yeah, we've mentioned, and I've probably gone a little bit in depth on, but it'll be nice to spend just like an episode just talking about it for, for people who are who are into motorcycles or thinking about uh, rebuilding an old one. I know it's very popular Or into now. vintage things. Vintage things. You're also thinking about getting your license and you may be getting a bike. I doubt you'll go yeah. down my path, but... <clears throat> Anthony um, has really inspired me mm-hmm. to, to get onto a bike. And do the opposite. Um, Anthony's been riding motorcycles his whole life. Um, he actually taught me how to ride a motorcycle um, in his spare time with his dirt bikes. <laughs> and he, I'm just, he's just inspired me. So in case you don't know us personally, uh, obviously everything Mikey said is a lie. In fact, it's the opposite. <laughs> Mikey has been riding bikes his whole life. It taught me to ride. I, you didn't teach me. I already had my I M2. just put you on it. Yeah. And you, no, I, I had already been on. So okay, in Canada, you need your your learner's permit. Then you, you went on the you went on the dirt bikes before you got. No, I would not. Have, sure? I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have known how to shift or use. You a, went a into clutch. that course blind. Blind. I knew yes. how to. I knew how to. Okay, Kudos. so let me let I'd me be, explain. I'd, I wouldn't do that to be honest. I I would I just wouldn't do the course. I was eighteen years old. Okay, I couldn't afford a car, and I thought I could. I, I thought I could afford a bike. My parents hate bikes. Ooh, he, he learned really the hard way. Big time. So my parents hate bikes. My dad had a dirt bike as a kid. He got hurt on it. My mom never was around bikes. They, much like my, my girlfriend and her family, they think bike bike people are like... Biker gangs. Yeah, gangs, <laughs> drug drug people. Hey, you know, brother. Just, that's it. Just a bad, a bad thing. Uh, but that's not the people I've met. The people I've met are like some of the coolest, most interesting people. Uh, the most up, like so morally uh, respectable and upright people. <laughs> They're humans. <laughs> exactly. Um, so they, you know, just to just to get rid of that negative stereotype. But I was 18 years old. I'd never been on a motorcycle in my life. You taught me how to drive manual on your car on your Hyundai Genesis 2.0T. So Shout I had, out. I knew what a clutch was. It's lit in here, huh? And I understood gears, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, under, I understood that part of it. And in Canada, you, uh, you go to the ministry, you write a written test, and you get Your the, M- you get yeah an M1, which allows you to ride motorcycles, but only for ninety times. days. Yes, for ninety days, certain times of the day. Uh, you know, just no all, passenger, exactly. no blood alcohol level, can't no ride, highways. Yeah, you can't go above a certain speed. Like it, there's a whole bunch of restrictions. It's similar to your G1. Yeah, but it allows you to go out and buy a bike and then go and do an M2. That's what it's meant. Yeah, to your be. M2, your M1 driving test, which gives you your M2. Exactly, but because of you know, obviously in Canada we can only ride bikes half the year because we have winter. So what most people do, what I did. I got my M2 and I immediately signed up for a course at an institution. And in my case, it was no, you uh, got your Hummer. M1. Sorry, my M1. Uh, and then I signed up for an M2 course. 
uh, in my in my case, and if you live in the GTA, I, I definitely recommend them. Go uh, Humber College. Um, yeah. They have multiple locations. The one I went to was the Humber North Campus uh, at uh, Jane, uh, sorry, at Finch and 27. Um, or little, you know, shout out to a company we all love. If you um, are looking for a Harley mm-hmm. specifically, mm-hmm. FAF offers, if you sign up through them to do the course, you, oh. they give you a discount on their bikes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. that That's really cool. I wish I had known that. Um, at the time I wasn't really into Harleys, but I wish I had known that now looking back, but, um, I did my, I did my M2 there, learned how to ride a bike. And that was the worst mistake because I got hooked. They put me on a brand new one, uh, CBR 125. Uh, it was kind of, it was a cool little bike. Like you look at it now, it's almost like a scooter, but they're small. They were small that had the sport fairing sport tires. For someone that's never ridden a motorcycle before that's learning. It's perfect. Oh yeah. And, and it gets you hooked instantly because if you're a car enthusiast and you appreciate control, bikes are a level up. Your your body is what controls uh, you, what, how the bike moves. The bike, all it wants to do is go in a straight line. Uh, but what you're doing is you're pushing weight. You're, you're push steering the bike in most cases. You're, you're rarely ever turning the handles the way you would a car. You're not turning, uh, you know, you're not turning the wheel. Yeah. You're leaning. You're the bike, one with the bike. Which is a great feeling. And it's something that never gets old. And it's something you get to do every second. Not to mention most bikes are manual. So you have torque whenever you need it. It's instant torque because it's so light. And the the engines are usually overpowered. It, it is a really great feeling. And it's something that... Uh, you know, if it didn't have that negative or that dangerous, uh, that danger aspect to it, I think a lot more people would do it. Um, obviously, it's not the most practical thing in the world because you're on two wheels. Braking and turning are uh, uh, the, the, the time it takes you to do brake to brake turn accelerator severely diminished because you only have one wheel or one wheel doing each. But it's ultimately in my opinion, the most fun way I've never flown before. I assume flying would be even more fun, but if you're landlocked uh, and you, you can, you only have to have the roads to use bikes are really fun. So I learned that getting my M2 and I was uh, still 18. Couldn't afford a bike. Didn't realize how much insurance would be. I also had parents who hated them. So I, that I had to sort of put, I had to put my, my bike enthusiasm on a back burner for a little while. Until uh, 2000, and so I'd always looked at bikes since then. And sure, in fact, yeah. uh, so during my my days working at the Honda dealership I currently work at, I would be on Kijiji almost every single day. I was on Kijiji there. I was on Kijiji in university. I would forego studying and writing essays to just go through Kijiji and look at what was out there. I learned so much about what was available, pricing, and, and just when you're in that environment all day, or you spend days looking, reaching out to people. I, I test drove three bikes and using my car keys as collateral. Uh, and, and the, the, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny story. The first one was a CBR, uh, 125. It was a young Jewish guy. His parents hated it, him for buying it. He never insured it. He cut up a car license plate and put it on the back. Oh my gosh. He just a mismatch and he used to take it on the 407. Like this is how sketch this whole thing was. I left him my keys. I took it for a ride. And uh, I had the, the time of my life, like just in his subdivision, ripping on this on this CBR one twenty five. Um, anyway, so and I and I also skipped class that day to go and do that. That was the most fun I had. But um, so 
yeah, searching for bikes all these years, never buying one, never, never having the courage to just come home with a motorcycle. I didn't want to put my parents through that. Um, I decided to do what was a, probably a what much worse idea, but I had the, the, the means at the time, right? I had earned enough money that I could do it. I decided to buy a bike in secret, purchase a storage shed <laughs> and build this bike over time. So I guess that that was the plan. The plan only came into effect when I found. Not to mention, you you, you left it a very important part. This bike was from nineteen seventy eight. Eight. Yeah, yeah. So I knew around the time I was looking for insurance and realized I couldn't afford a crotch rocket. Um, there was a, a a brand that that had come out named Cleveland Cleveland Cycle Works. Mm, Cleveland Steam. <laughs> <laughs> Cleveland Cycle Works. <laughs> So in the uh, in like the 2010s, early 2010s, yep. the the there was very um, in vogue to go vintage. A lot of these, a lot of brands were coming out with vintage-looking bikes. The cafe racer craze had mm-hmm. become really popular um, because we had at the time technology to build these bikes back to new, uh, back to new but better. Like you know, electronic ignition. Car, I mean, carburetors you still have to deal with, but they had better carburetors out right. there, better batteries, just better lighting. You could you could make these bikes better. So uh, I remember I, w- I wanted to buy a Cleveland Cycle Works. Uh, it, it was thirty five hundred new. I I couldn't afford it at the time, so I said no to that. But I told myself I'm going to build a cafe racer. I want a cafe racer. So that's what I spent. Which Anthony soon learned to be far more expensive. <laughs> Far more expensive, far less. You you never meet your heroes is is what the adage is. But there's a lot still before we get there. So the uh, the calf that's where cafe races. I wanted a cool looking performance bike that gave me the the hunched over feel because that's what I loved about the CBR 125 on the course. I had I was hunched over and it gave me that feel of control. I wanted that feel, but I, I couldn't afford this, the crotch rocket, and I didn't want to die on a crotch rocket. So I thought, you know what, buy, build an old bike. It won't be as fast. You'll get better insurance rates. That's the way to go. So I spent years on, on Kijiji looking again for just, you know, any kind of vintage cafe racer. I was going to buy someone's old cafe racer. I wish I had done that because I would have saved probably half the amount of money. But eventually I came across a guy out in um, – Oh, he what was it? Me. Um, Chatham Kent. Chatham, yeah, but it was a sort of the name. Mitchell. Nope. Something. It'll like come that. to me. It'll come yeah. to me. Basically, uh, Chatham Kent, for those who don't know, is a town fairly close to the border. If you're coming from Detroit uh, across the border into uh, Canada, you'll you'll basically drive through Chatham Kent. It's about three and a half hours from where we live here in, in the GTA. Yeah. Merlin. Merlin, Ontario. Merlin, Ontario. So the the gentleman selling at this point it was just a frame. I was just gonna buy a frame. My gosh. I figured buy the frame and slowly build it to be I think this guy was your savior. Probably. Yeah. In a lot of ways. But in a lot of ways he doomed me. So no, he had a powder coated yeah, sure, but... stripped frame. Uh, uh, from a clean bike, he had the title, he had everything. It all seemed good, and he only wanted seven hundred dollars for it. So I said, "Yeah, that's fine." Um, I brought seven hundred dollars, and I I actually brought a thousand. Uh, and I and I just thinking, well, if he has anything else I can buy, I'll just barter with him. So, was it? Yeah, it was seven. I think it was seven. I think it was seven hundred bucks. I only brought a thousand dollars with me. Just seven hundred bucks. So he had it listed for seven hundred, and uh, 
obviously Mikey actually took some great photos. There's photos of me checking out this frame. And remember his property was pretty cool. We went there with our friend Alex. So uh, we got to see like the, the property and everything. Um, he had a whole bunch of bikes he was building. I think get a I, Hayabusa in the trailer. Yeah, get he, some he, old he, Harleys. Yeah, just a really cool guy. And you can tell up in Chatham, Kent, that's what they do. If you're not a farmer, you're... you're my God, when when he took out the ownership of it, he knew every man that owned this bike. Yeah, this bike never left the town. It of never Merlin, left Ontario. Merlin, but yeah. just friends pass it on and farmer on. to farmer, basically. Yeah. Um, so that kind of also made me feel a little bit better that you know, even though this bike was, it, it just celebrated actually. It's. I mean, maybe we 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 skipped too too much forward on that, mm-hmm. mentioning yeah. the ownership, because at this point you're still just buying the oh, frame. Oh, true. Yeah, at this point <laughs> I'm just buying the frame, uh, and then I see all these boxes labeled CB five. 50 and i asked him is this the rest of the bike he's like yeah yeah. so i'm like how much will you take for everything and then he told me that i'll take a thousand that's exactly how much i brought so i i didn't even bother like you know bartering with him i should have said you just give me i'll give you 800 and just let me take all this junk off your hands but no i paid i gave him a thousand dollars signed over the ownership he gave me all the parts of the bike uh, the only thing that it was missing looking back on it didn't, he didn't give me the handlebars. Not that I was going to use the handlebars anyway. Yeah. He didn't give me handlebars. It was Everything it was, was like there. three full like full size Tupperware bins yeah. of parts, and parts all sorted. He had sandblasted everything, and I I had I spent a good portion of my young adult life sandblasting at my dad's shop. So he didn't do the best job. He also didn't do the best job powder coating. But it was you know set a powder coated frame for seven hundred dollars. I couldn't say no. Um. So we I we bought the whole bike. He had, I had the rear wheel, the front wheel on, still on the axle, the tank, the exhaust system, which I still don't, I, I'm not using. I, had, I bought an aftermarket exhaust. Anyway, we loaded it all up in Alex's truck and on the drive home, which I was recording with my DSLR because I thought, you know, maybe I'll make some YouTube content about this. Um, you know, we, we, I had my bike, but I had nowhere to keep it. I wasn't going to bring it home. My parents would have shot me. Uh, if, I, if I had told my dad at that point that I had this bike, uh, that I bought these parts, he would have told me where are they, and he would have picked them up and threw them all in the garbage. <laughs> and he would have said, "Yeah, you just wasted a thousand dollars." Then now you learned a lesson, and that would have been a blessing. Uh, no, come on, uh, don't in, discount in, it. In ways and ways, but anyway, so I didn't do that. Instead, uh, I I relied on the kindness of another friend of ours who had you know space at at, at his uh, property, and I sort of dumped all these parts there. Uh, but it was kind of cool to have the engine and, and see that it kicked over. And I knew that, you know, I, I had a, a rudimentary understanding of how four cylinder motorcycle engines work. So I could, I could tell like, you know, I can kick it over. The pistons are moving. It means it's not seized. Uh, you know, it was just, it was pretty cool. Um, and then I started sourcing a storage unit and I bought the cheapest storage unit I could find that was outdoors. Bad idea. I thought having it outdoors would make it more accessible and less, and it was less expensive. Um, but I, I planned on also working on the bike in this storage unit, which made meant it was freezing cold. I would be in there in the winter, freezing. This my wasn't ass a, off. this wasn't a big storage unit. No, this it was, was narrow. It was enough for just, one bike. It was just and long it, enough to fit the motorcycle. Yeah, uh, but I was able to, with the help of my friend Nikolai, build a workbench. And you have to understand that the motorcycle wasn't put together, so it was actually okay. It was very tall. This storage unit, so we built a six foot tall um, shelf. We were able to store all the parts on the shelf, and then I used the, res- the remaining space in the unit to put a little workbench, probably two f- two foot by two foot uh, workbench table, uh, and there I would disassemble, clean, re- and reassemble the parts. And I did that for the brakes, front struts, uh, the engine covers, 
the top end of the engine I, I disassembled with the help of a, of a mechanic that I would use from the majority of the rest of the tuning and work on the bike. Um, and I basically did as much as I could in that shed. All the while, my parents had no idea where I was going. The, you know, they, they would track me on my phone because that's how my parents are. And I would just tell them, oh, I'm going to help Nikolai at, this, at his storage unit. He, he needs help with something. And they had no idea about this. So it, this is now probably about a year into owning this bike. I went to the motorcycle show to buy my kit. So my helmet, jacket, gloves, stuff like that. And I actually met um, some guys there who were really talented. You could see were clearly talented at building custom motorcycles. They were out in Oakville. Um, and we built up a relationship over. I didn't over, know that's how you met them. Yeah, at the motorcycle oh, yeah. show. Um, so we built up a relationship over time, and I really did trust them. So I decided for the actual um, wiring and final assembly of this bike, because see, it had had I had the bike at my home, I could have easily sourced a manual, used some of my dad's tools, or even used my dad's shop, find the correct torque specs, and and assemble the final assembly together myself but i didn't have that i was in a storage unit freezing my ass off i was tired by this point i was tired of all the money i was spending on tools not telling my parents uh you know just dealing with all the i was spending so much money on this project it just wasn't so i said you know what it'll be cheaper just to get give to somebody else and just let them do it slowly so that's what i did and it took about a year for them to turn my parts bike into a bike and every Friday that I had off, I'd go up there and it became my TGIF, get to see the bike, get to see what was new on it. And it took the shape of an actual motorcycle, um, which was awesome. And this takes us all the way up until the summer of, oh, last summer, it was basically almost ready to go. Still at the shop, uh, but it was basically ready to go. In that time, I needed to get my M because if you remember from the beginning of this long story, I got my M2. In, at the age of 18 and it only lasts about five years, five or six years. Uh, so my M2 was about to expire and the only way to get your full M is to either rent a bike or buy a bike and go do it. I purchased a Vespa in between buying the CB and building it um, because I wanted to get it on the road and I knew I had to get my license. The only problem was they need a minimum speed limit to do to do that test you go on the highway and i called and i said i ha I own a vespa is it going to be okay and the lady who didn't really know what she was talking about said yeah we've had people do it on vespas before she was probably referring to like a modern vespa a modern vespa that has that is actually you know it can go relatively quick my vespa is not modern it's you know 125 cc's and uh it's basically a a leaf blower engine with four with four speeds so that was a whole, that's another story in itself. I'm not going to get into doing my test on that, but I passed and, um, that was important. So I, at this point I have the, I have the CB 550 almost built and I have the Vespa that I do everything myself. I have not spent a dollar in any labor on that Vespa. Everything I've had to tackle, I've done myself versus the CB has been the largest money pit of my life. In fact, because we talk so much about watches here. In my estimates, my conservative estimates, I could have easily purchased a Submariner for the money I've put into that bike, easily. Probably a Submariner and a plethora of like goodies to go along with it uh, for the money I've spent on that bike. Um, so it's it's been it's been a rough ride. 
used Submariner, by the way, not not brand new. New Submariners go for in steel. The ones I the ones I was I, I like. was thinking more to be honest. What that I've spent more. Given what you've told given, me in the past, given, yeah. given the the storage unit, I guess if you factor everything, yeah, it's possible. But yeah, conservative estimate, you're, I'm looking at a Submariner put into this motorcycle, and obviously this motorcycle does not hold its value anywhere close to a Submariner. No, that's the other thing I learned. Uh, because I built a fully custom bike, chopped the the rear, uh, made a loop, put a flat seat on it, rear set, uh, meaning that my my feet. The normal CB550 was built to be a like almost a, a commuting motorcycle. It's a very pedestrian bike, but Honda Hondas from the 1970s are also very robust and reliable, and that's why I purchased it. Um, but basically, it was meant to be sat upright, handlebars uh, relatively high, uh, foot feet in front of your yeah, knees, like a bobber. Yes, yeah, basically. Um, but this was like a you know a nice upright cruising pedestrian motorcycle. Uh, but now what I've done is I've put clip-ons, so I'm my my hands are around the forks of the bike. Uh, they're lower than the tank, uh, and my feet are put to the rear, um, basically where the passenger's foot pedals would be, and that gives me more of a forward stance. It's better for leaning. It's more sporty, but it also puts a ton of weight on my wrists. I can adjust my clip-ons to be a little bit different. I could even eventually put more like dirt tracker bars on the bike to raise the seating position. But then I still have the rear sets. And, you know, I, I sometimes think about selling the rear sets and just going back to a, a regular set of, uh, of things. But again, it wouldn't really go with the look of the bike. Anything you build custom will not hold its value unless you are some sort of like magician and know exactly what will be trending for the next few years. And you build that and people love it. And then they give you as much money as you ask. So I've lost money on this bike. And so I picked it up from that shop um, with your help about a year Woo. ago, maybe in June or July. When did we pick it up? We picked it I, up. I didn't have I didn't have the, the Raptor, so it must have been yeah before this, earlier than that. It was warm. It was yeah. really it was warm outside. Maybe like May June. We picked it up with your trailer from this shop. It was basically done. I'd already ridden it once. Um, they put they, you know they gave me a plate and I just took it around to you know give it a give it a whirl and I was blown away by it only having ridden the Vespa really this bike didn't have crazy acceleration more to do with the tuning at that point uh but going over bumps and undulations in the road because I, the Vespa is so light that it, while it's fantastic to ride and handle you go over a bump and like you're you almost take off into space but this bike just soaked it up like boom, boom, boom. it was nice right and then also, everyone stares. That's another thing. When you're on the Vespa, people stare for the wrong reason. When you're on the Cafe Racer, people are, you know, guys giving me thumbs up. People are, are digging it, and uh, it sounds pretty good, too. Sounds really vintage is what I, you know, I like about it. It's not a thud, thud, thud like mm-hmm. a Harley. It's uh, it's more of like a, like it's a nice-sounding yeah, yeah. uh, vintage bike. Uh, so I was in love with it and uh, brought it home, fiddled with it a little the bike, and this is something I tell anyone who wants to build uh, a new bike or build an old bike. Bikes are dangerous enough already, and to add that extra bit of surprise and uncertainty and, and unpredictability to an already dangerous, uh, an already dangerous hobby, can be frightening. I've had times where I pull up somewhere and there's gas 
spewing out of the carbs all over the hot engine, all over the hot exhaust. Thank God I've never been hurt. I didn't know gas also chews through asphalt. That's something I had to learn. Concrete, no. And like roads are pretty good. But if you're on a driveway and you have a gas leak, the driveway's fucked. It eats right through whatever, you know, small amount of sealant is there. Leave it long enough, it will turn your your driveway, your asphalt driveway back to stones. It eats through whatever binds those stones together. Learned that the hard way. My dad was not happy. Um, But you know what? At the end of the day, I look at the bike now. Oh, and I also had another. It's it's been more hardships thus far than than good times. Um, Not only did I have issues with the carbs, I had issues with, uh, obviously the, the it's electronic ignition, uh, and it doesn't use an alternator in the conventional sense It uses a generator as the, as the crank turns, it charges the bike. So the charging system is not the greatest me. And because I put rear sets on the bike, normally you would say, Oh, who cares about the charging system? You just can kick it over and it will be fine. But because I don't have, I have the rear sets on the bike. You actually can't kick this bike over. So you kind of always need the battery to work. And that's something I'm going to figure out hopefully this summer is, is a way to k- still kick the bike with the rear sets on. Um, it's my rear brake pedal that's in the way of, of the kickstart. But anyway, um, I I had uh, earlier uh, in the winter, the end of last fall, decided okay, I'm going to put my bikes in my grandparents' house for the winter because they'd be in Florida. Transporting the CB550 and not knowing what I was doing, I went over a bump in the road and it fell over and I dented the tank. And pushed in the exhaust. Couldn't have called the guy that has experience with mounting bikes. Honestly, like that was probably the stupidest thing I've ever done. And right now, because I, I I I know a body shop, the tank is still there, trying to be fixed. They've told me it's almost done. I hope so. Uh, and in the meantime, I've I've correct. I've fixed everything with the exhaust to the most part. It's still a little bit pushed in, but when I get it back, I'll try to bend it. Um, and right now, it's currently with the mechanic who helped me rebuild the engine. That's another thing, expense I took on was I rebuilt this engine from the ground up. We took the whole top end is is new, except the pistons we left, um, but honed. Everything is good. There is a bit of an oil leak coming from somewhere, but we hope it's just backwash of excess fuel because the carbs weren't in the best shape. So that, that that's currently with him. I'm hoping to pick that up in the next few weeks. This, this project has been more heartbreak than anything else, uh, but I'm still optimistic because the few times I've had the opportunity to ride it, it has been a ton of fun. And even though there are so many undesirable things, the clutch is too heavy. You can't find neutral. If you're stopped, it, like you cannot shift it into neutral. It it gets stuck. You have to, you have to shift into neutral when coming to a stop, which is tricky when you're focusing on, on other things. And it, it's still finicky. Like the, the rear sets aren't perfect, right? If I had to do it again, I would easily finance a bike or just buy a new bike something capable that i could just take out because you don't have that ease of uh, access with with this bike like you're you're about to get a motorcycle i hope sure yeah i hope so if you do you're gonna wake up in the morning start it and go all you have to worry about is gas and tire pressure i have to worry about a hell of a lot more battery charge if my carburetors are going to get clogged. Also, uh, you know, small things that I would have to adjust while riding. However, there's no space on this bike to keep tools. 
So I'll have to wear some sort of bat like backpack or or just keep tools on me that might be used. This bike is not built for long runs. It, it is built for like just short, quick trips. But this summer will tell me if I'm gonna what I'm gonna do with this bike. If this summer is fun and I enjoy it, uh, uh, then that will tell me what I'm going to do with this bike in the future. Because as my life gets busier and busier, there's just less time for this ridiculous thing in my life. You're not getting rid of it. I won't let that happen. It it might just stay in in a garage. Then I, I don't know what I would do with it. Because if you're gonna get rid of it, I'm buying it. I I hope that, and I then would. in thirty years I'll give it back to you as That's a present. What, yeah, I, I, that would be that would be glorious. No, what I would really what I would really love, um, and this is just you know when I, when I when I ask myself what are my goals in the future, taking everything I've learned, tinkering on things like these are some of the best and worst times of your life because you never really know how good something can feel until you hit the rock bottom of it, and fixing Vespas and fixing this old bike has given me the lowest lows and the highest highs. So in my life, uh, when I when I picture my future, hopefully I'll be successful enough to have a space in, in my in my future home where it's just a, a space for me, my kids, my wife to just come and tinker. Analog work with your hands that gives you that that joy that you know is it it's so, so fleeting in the times we live in a time of instantaneous gratification. Either the internet works or it doesn't. Either your post goes through or it doesn't. Either you you send in this uh, this thing and get a response right away or you don't. We've taken away that that other part, that human, uh, that interaction part. And these hobbies give you that. They give you that hands-on feel. And sometimes it's going to break your heart. Sometimes it's going to build you up. But no matter what happens, you're learning from it. And you're becoming better at, at what you're doing for it. It teaches you patience and 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 and, and problem solving. So I hope that one day I can still incorporate these toys in my life. And uh, and 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 yeah, I guess that's really the 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 plan going forward. We'll see how it all turns out because there it's an expensive hobby, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's something that keeps you on your toes. So. Wow, Anthony, what a nice story. Thank you, Michael. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with the bike. If you guys you, you guys can't see Anthony right now, but he's stressed. Of course I'm stressed. Thinking about that thing. You know what sucks? No, you guys need to see it and you need to hear it. My God, do you need to hear it. It sounds so good. It's pretty cool. You're not getting rid of it. It's not happening. We'll see. You're not. You're, we're not going to see. You're I have to find it. some way of making it more more reliable. What, so. what you're going to do is you're going to buy a new motorcycle and keep this one aside. No, so you can I, actually ride. That would be. I. You know what? I would buy an enduro. I if I had to buy not an enduro. Yeah, they're uh, pretty cool. I would buy like a like a sport touring or something that I could take even yeah, off a dual sport. Yeah, dual sport. That's it. Yeah. I would buy that, and I would probably buy a Honda like from the nineties. No, Anthony wants an African twin. No, like not even a new one. New one, a new a new Africa Twin is like nineteen thousand dollars. They're expensive. No, I would get something a little bit older, um, but you know, either BMW or Honda, something that I you know I could fix myself is reliable. Um, that would be the bike I would take touring. You know, if you wanted to go, oh, let's ride to Montreal, uh, if, anywhere. Let's ride to Chatham Kent. Yeah, I want to see that guy's reaction to. The bike that was a been if a. We, he probably sold all those parts and said these kids are idiots hey 
He was a little bit right. Uh, but if no, he, he probably thought those things were going to go home and they're going to stay there forever like yeah. that. He probably never thought that, that it was going to be true. what it is today. Look what you've accomplished, Anthony. It's a beautiful motorcycle. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. I, 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 I show I everyone that motorcycle and they love it. Really? Yeah. Which photo do you show of it? Just I'm curious because uh, I only have a few good ones. Like it on their stand when, yeah. when we went there to see it when it was finally running. Stuff oh, like that. Oh, true, true. Actually, what I want to play for people listening to the podcast, I know we're running a little bit long on time, but I want to just so you can understand what it sounds it like. It won't. It won't work. Well, hold on. I, you might hear a little bit of it. Uh, the 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 photo or the video is is a decent enough video. It's taken by one of our friends, Alex. I'm very grateful for for this video because sometimes when I get really down on myself, I'll listen to it, and it and it makes me happy. And I th- <laughs> and I think uh, with with the sound of this motorcycle, that's how we're gonna end it. We're gonna we're gonna go away with the sweet sounds, the sweet sounds, the of sweet a, sounds of a nice motorcycle. Of a naturally at well, I guess all bikes are naturally aspirated now. But okay, so here have you go, guys. Have a listen, and thank you for listening. Make sure my volume's all the way up.